0: Welcome to the Dented Puck Podcast. Each week, we'll be talking about the NHL being visually impaired and our favorite combination of the two, blind hockey. We'll be talking shop about everything from the equipment we wear to how we've adapted our play style to fit our sight. We'll also be talking to members of the blind hockey community and getting to know their stories and what has led them to the sport. We're really glad to have you with us, and we hope you enjoy the show. This is our small slice of hockey, and we'd like to think that it shows that hockey truly is for everyone. Alright, and welcome back. This is episode three of season two of the Dented Puck. My name's Drew. As always, I'm joined by Tony and Josh. Boys, how you doing?
1: I'm doing alright. I'm actually doing phenomenal. I don't know why I'm saying i do- I'm doing all right. My prediction has came very true.
0: We will we will get there. <laughs> I'm glowing. <laughs> Josh, how you doing?
2: He's he's trying to hold the laughter. You could literally hear him try to hold the laughter. He's being <laughs> very polite about it. Um, I am on my way out to to Minnesota, so it's a it's a good weekend for for all of us. Um, how are you doing, dude?
0: Well, living the dream, kind of. Uh, today we're we're really lucky. Um, we're joined by Christian. Uh, he. Who's previously has played with Tony? Um, he is a goalie and he has some experience with the blind puck. So um, I'm excited to Christian to have you on. Thanks for coming. How are you doing?
3: Uh, I'm good. I'm glad to join you guys. Glad to talk about my experience and and just have that conversation with you guys.
0: Awesome. We are we are glad to have you. And and like we said before we started recording, you are definitely braver than all of us. <laughs> so okay, Tony. Let's get into it. Leafs lose three to one, game seven to the Montreal Canadiens. My prediction from the beginning of the season was absolutely wrong.
4: Mine's looking pretty good,
0: dude. I I really want a Tampa Bay Colorado final now.
1: I don't think they. I, I don't know if they'll be able to do that because. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, they could because Tampa w- would be two. Uh, they would finish with two and two plays, three, and then one plays four. So uh, Colorado's playing the probably the winner of the Canadian.
0: Yeah, which they're not. After seeing that first game with them against Vegas, they're, they're not going to have any problems with Winnipeg or Montreal.
1: I don't think they're going to have any problems throughout this playoffs until they meet the New York Islanders in the Stanley Cup. Finals.
2: Don't don't you mean the Devils of the East? <laughs> I
4: I'm, I'm, add, I'm still thinking veteran, on
1: that. Adding two veteran players like Pal Mary and uh Zajac, it's definitely it's it's pretty awesome. Um, I mean they're they're, I I don't know a lot of them are homegrown there.
2: Yeah, well, it's, i mean, it's Lemarillo. They're still the two of them were Lamarillo's boys. I looked at the boys, at my boys, before practice, and I was like, "Guys, Palms is going to win you a cup." And the, and I forgot at least more than one of them laughed at me, and I'm like, "I'm telling you, you may not realize it, but these are the these are the goalie he scores. These are the type of goalie he scores, and he does it." It made it's opportunistic. It never his numbers are never perfect, but it's opportunistic. So, hey, I I will cheer for the Islanders as I did last year. I am cheering for the Islanders, more for palms than anything else, but definitely.
0: I think if uh, that line of Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak can can continue to produce in the way that they have this playoff, I think it, I'm I'm guessing Game Seven. For I for mean, in New York,
2: but here's the here's the thing is that, like, they're that's the best that's got that's the best line in hockey, isn't it? I mean, one, two, three, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, McKinnon, who, McKinnon plays with Sod and Ranton. Wait, is Ranton a defenseman or a forward? How yeah, for
1: do you not know this?
0: I, I honestly, he
1: doesn't I, play as good Sod.
0: He did okay. the The game that I saw Colorado this season, the games that I saw Colorado this season, Saad was was playing with McKinnon. I have not maybe, watched. Maybe it was
1: on something else, but I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's Landis, God, Granton, and, and McKinnon, and it's just that's the most potent line. I do think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do unfortunately think that Pasternak, uh, Bergeron, and Marchand are very close to that because, they, I mean. I, they just all complement each other so well with their I skills. Did. Boston is like by far one of my least favorite teams. Um
2: you know you know what watching them we, uh, we were I think five or six rows behind behind them for the Devils game and just watching the three of them just mess around it's comical. Like it's ah. so it's un- it's un- and I just sat there watching and Keir, i had the phone out ready to record and Kira's like are you recording and i'm like i don't even care i i'm like this is just unreal not that she would under, not that she was understanding what was going on but it was just it, they're just fucking they're just screwing around and it's beautiful it has
1: fun man that's what it's about they're all elite athletes and even though Marshawn... and i don't particularly care for him uh for his unwise behavior but you know, for somebody that unfortunately plays like Brad Marchand in, in some regards, I mean, Christian, what do you get? What's the experience on the, our men's league team over there? Like, not to veer away from the NHL, but I mean, you're, you're a goalie for the men's league team. Like,
4: what's your opinion on what I just said? Well, they it is amazing to see them
3: fool around. And like, I wouldn't really call maybe that whole line. Like I don't really think or would hold them at like the top of the top of, of the league, but they do all know their roles and they play them well. And it, it is a very potent, potent line. um And it it's really hard to deal with, you know, and then getting into like men's league, you know, if, if, for us, it, you know, the people that roles and, and fit into it well, that's when we have success. Right, Marshawn not trying to be an Austin Matthews or McDavid. You know, he's just being Marshawn, and and a lot of people hate him. That's okay, but he knows his role and he excels at what he's
1: there to do.
0: Lick faces. Right. He's really good at licking faces.
1: You know, that's the that's the stuff that I mean, like that's just come on, man, like what are you? what are you some kind of clown like that that there's no that's not hockey in my opinion. I understand hockey is a very psychological game, and you know you're getting into people's heads and you're being silly and you know it isn't the greatest time in the world and whatnot, but you don't lick another person like uninvitingly <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean if I just walk up to you. Okay, especially now during COVID. If I just walked up to you, okay, and just licked you on your face, you'd be disappointed.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's at the word,
1: but
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a nice way. That's a nice way of saying that you would probably punch me in my face. But like, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what occurred when he when you licked, <laughs> he got in the face, right?
0: Yeah, and drew a penalty.
1: And he did not get a penalty for uh, unsportsmanlike?
0: Nope. But they did make the rule after that series that you cannot lick other players.
1: That's actually a rule in the NHL rulebook is that there there shall be no uh,
0: uh, using of the tongue muscles. Yep. All because of Marshawn.
3: Once again, there he he
2: is. (laughs) There he
3: is knowing his role. Licking someone and drawing a penalty you know but obviously those antics are on their way out of the league um but i
0: i, so. I actually feel like you, we're going to see more of that i think that or licking well more just like quirky get under your skin stuff I'm, i don't you know lickings obviously illegal now but i think that the level of skill and speed in the nhl you're unless the you know, the big big guys can move at the same rate. I think you're going to see a lot of little guys getting in there and just nitpicking at things. And, and... Yeah, But Alex
1: Debrinkit doesn't skate up to players and lick them.
0: Yeah, but Alex Debrinkit's yeah. also not a pest. Alex Debrinkit's a scorer.
1: Yeah, but he also goes out and plays the body at five foot six. And, and like, it's incredible to watch. Like, he, he's fearless when he goes into the corners and he's definitely a speedster. But uh, Braden Point, he doesn't, he doesn't lick people. Brad Marchand's a scorer. He gets 90 points a season.
0: Yeah, but Brad Marchand, when you think of Brad Marchand, you don't think of the scorer. You think of the pest.
1: I think of the playmaker, actually, because oh, his I playmaking don't. abilities at a different level.
0: I don't. I think of the pest. And I, I, I respect I don't I, know, man. What?
2: I don't know, man. He scores enough that, like, it's an. There's. There, like. There are guys who you think of as hundred percent as a pest, like Sean Avery. He's a pest. There's like do you think of him as a scorer or as anything else other than a pest? Sean Avery? Yeah.
1: I think he needs to relax about the bikes, bro. Like it's not that big <laughs> of like No, but my point, somebody my point is. Somebody who has to ride a bike to get to point A to point B, like just chill, man. <laughs> like, like, it's not that big of a deal.
0: I guess for me with Marshand, it's I. I know that he's a f- fantastic hockey player. I know that he's small and he's built. Like, I you ever seen that guy with his shirt off? He is all muscle. Um, yeah. And I and I know and especially playing with Bergeron and Pasternak, his his playmaking ability and his just shooting ability is is incredible. But I every time I think of Martian, I think of the past. I think of the guy that get that you send out specifically to get under the other team's skin and draw those penalties on stupid things, like so, licking someone's face. So,
1: in my honest evaluation of the way that I played the game when I was playing for in college <laughs> and uh, my exclusively my last season of juniors and honestly honestly my whole career of playing hockey uh <laughs> It's kind of been my responsibility to just go out there and aggravate everybody else to the point where they're going to do something stupid. And it's gotten me punched in the face a lot. And it's got it's caused me physical pain. But it was for that exact thing. I did it in a men's league game. Uh it wasn't on our team, Christian. But uh some or no, it was on our team. It was on actually it was on every team that I've ever played for because this is what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> I just go and make somebody else take a stupid penalty. Sometimes I'll have to sit in the box too, but like it'll be the other team's best player that's in the box with me, and uh, which is fine because most of the time that's a pretty fair trade. <laughs> um and we go and score on the power play because the skilled guys go out there. It just so happens to be that Brad Marchand had skill and I, you know, I'm still finding mine and working on it.
0: Well, and I don't mean pest like a bad thing. Andrew Shaw is oh, one of my favorite players, you know? Exactly. That, he's the ultimate pest.
1: <laughs> so I modeled my game after three people. It was Andrew Shaw because I, I absolutely loved his tenacity and his ability to just be fearless. Jason Pomaville because of Rick Jarnett, his best call of a goal of all time. And he, I just, I, I loved his He shot from a weird angle. And Phil Kessel because
0: I'm chunky. oh phil kessel that guy i i hope the best for him in in arizona
1: and and you know he's he played very well in my opinion and i i have a blind hockey puck signed by phil kessel you know he took the time out of his day to sign something for a fan of his and you know i hope that that like i he knows that that meant the absolute world to me. But the only thing that I want to do, I want to take it a step further. I want to have a charity hot dog eating competition against Phil Castle, and I think we should do that to raise money for Blind Hockey. And I have experience in being in random hot dog eating competitions, and I was in Texas, and I only was able to eat two of them though. But this time I'll come with an empty belly.
2: Oh, I'll be I'll
4: beat
1: you if you're going to do. Two.
0: Yeah. That, that's a normal.
1: <laughs> right now, I honestly currently believed, but I have not eaten today. Uh, I normally don't eat until about 8 p.m. Um, I think about 8 p.m. right now, I could probably crush about nine hot dogs if I really wanted to. I won't. There you go. I won't. <laughs> that's
0: but, good. You won't feel great. Twitter, after.
1: Twitter. <laughs>
0: Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Quitter. Quitter. <laughs> Quitter. I don't know about them. I think it's I think it's an educated decision. I think any nutritionist would tell me that that would be a poor choice. Oh, yeah. Since I can't afford a nutritionist, I'm my own nutritionist right now. And uh, the governor says no.
2: Yeah, I know and- a nutritionist who would disagree with you. His name is Nathan.
1: Nathan <laughs> hot dogs. You Nathan? dude, nah, Nathan's nah, the nah, worst nah. hot dogs in the world, bro. I would never eat a Nathan's hot dog. I got to, I get strictly Vienna, man. I understand. I, I forget, that you got to have, you got to have Nathan's because of uh, your rel- religious beliefs. And Nathan's aren't terrible with, when you cook them with grilled onions and ketchup, but I, I won't put any hot dog in my stomach unless it's Vienna.
0: Oh, man, you're missing out. Hebrew National.
1: <laughs> yeah, what is, yeah, Hebrew National is the, is the best hot dog. That's out there. what I was talking about. Not, not, uh, not, uh, Nathan's. Nathan's junk, dude. That's how you catch a bass.
2: <laughs> no, I, no, I, I was just making a joke that Nathan would be your nutritionist. Nathan is the hot but, dog, but
1: but Nathan who, the, like the Nathan as the hot dog man? I, yeah, yeah, I think I think it was just...
2: or jo- or, jo- or Joey Chestnut. We could do that too.
1: Oh, Chesna, Kobayashi, dude how how can you? How, all right, I know this is so far off from hockey and it has absolutely nothing to do, and we all have a limited amount of time throughout our day. But how do you consume eighty something hot dogs in one sitting? Like I just it, it, like I can't fathom eating that amount of food. And and quite honestly, another thing is is there was a woman who ate so much ice cream that her body temperature dropped and she went in a hypothermic um state and she died. So why would you do not that?
2: Not all hero not all heroes were a cave.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think she's a hero. I think she regrets her decision in heaven.
0: She was trying to make, be a uh, ice woman.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she should have just sat in the rink all day.
2: It'll do it. All right, I'm sorry. That was good. <laughs> all
0: good. Uh, so let's 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 do. We went through the first round, so here we are. We're in round two. Uh, Christian, New York or Boston? Who do you have coming out of there?
3: I'll be honest. I I do think it's Boston. Like I said, I that that Marchand line is is something to be messed with and and like it just Boston always at home is is it, it's difficult to, to compete with, with Boston at their home rink. Um and they'll have they should have two more games at home and they're already up two, so
1: it it's gonna be oh, tough. I, think that, I thought it was tied.
0: Uh yeah it's tied one one. New York one oh, I thought
1: I thought Boston was the first one, but
3: I mean still i i think I still think Boston
1: all right Josh, there's a good chance it could be there's about a fifty percent chance that it could be
0: <laughs> <laughs> <What>? fair enough, <laughs> Josh, I assume you're saying islanders
2: it's it's going seven i i I feel like the Islanders have the ability to shut them down for enough for four games. Like if you can keep that line to two goals, you have to be able to beat the, you have to be able to beat the Bruins, right? One one to two goals, you have to be able to beat the Bruins, right? Yeah. That's got to be the blueprint and you have to be able to do that for four games. I feel like they can do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I felt like the Leafs could close out a 3-1 series lead and here we are. Tony, uh, obviously you are not quiet about it. New York. Nope. Uh, I'm only going to say
4: one thing about that real quick. <laughs>
1: My favorite part of the playoffs. I've, every Every year for like as far as I can remember.
0: I mean, it's been 17 years since they won a first round series.
1: If, wow, that's a good chunk of my life, man. That's almost <laughs> as long as I've been playing, and the best part is watching them get eliminated and, and 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 I like a lot of the players that are on Toronto. I just i do like they've got so many likable players they got a it's an original six team it's it's beautiful like they're i mean. We, uh, uh, with Team USA, we had the opportunity to go to Toronto. It's an absolute astounding city with amazing people. It's very diverse, and and, and, like I loved it. Uh, but watching their hockey team get eliminated every single year and, and have every weapon you need to win the cup and still lose and you go out and you purchase all the other weapons that you need (laughs) as backups and and it's just it's comical and it's my favorite part and i'm sorry for all the leafs nation like they didn't they didn't deserve to go out without tavares that's for sure i think with tavares they, i think they would have been able to squeak past montreal maybe (laughs) question mark uh i know that toronto Next season is probably gonna go a little bit differently and they hopefully will be able to make the off season adjustments that they need to make in order to make it out of the first round because they deserve it. I mean, well, Christian, we were talking about it yesterday. They're they're turning into the Cubs.
3: They just can't they can't produce anything.
1: Right. There are, are they is Toronto Maple Leafs the, the new lovable losers, like I mean, they're they're obviously a very winning program. I mean, I mean they have some of the highest end talent that you can have in the NHL right now, and it's just it, it's, it's it's honestly it's a shame, Drew. So like you know, I I don't want you to think I'm bullying you uh, upon this. I, it's all all jokes aside, they deserve they deserve to make it out of the first round, but watching them get eliminated, it's just it's so comical to me and and it'll be the same thing when montreal, if if for whatever reason montreal made it to the cup and they lost I, I wouldn't want to see them win it's not because i have anything against canadians i just know it would be way fun way more hysterical to watch a canadians fan be upset than i don't know an islanders fan you know
0: well speaking of the islanders you think they're they're coming out on top against boston
1: yeah, I do. I think they got a really good tandem with uh, Igor Sorokin and Simeon Varlamov. Uh, I mean, you take a team that is built differently than most of the other teams in the NHL. I mean, yes, Jordan Eberle's talented. Matthew Barzell's top talent in the league but they're a very defensive-sound team. They're like a Nashville. They're a trap team. Their special teams are are very strong. Uh, I think they would be even more dangerous if Anders Lee was in the mix. I mean, I think he went out uh, midway through the season with either his knee or his back, which is a shame because that's their captain. Um, And I'm going to sum it up because I can talk about this for forever. Uh, The Islanders.
0: Well, we'll do we'll do lightning round for the next three, uh, Tampa and Carolina, Carolina,
4: Tampa. Oh,
0: Christian,
3: I don't really know, but uh, I have a feeling it's going to be be Tampa.
4: All right, uh, all right, all
0: uh, right. Montreal, Winnipeg, Christian. Who you got?
3: I'm gonna go with Montreal. They're—I feel like they're both kind of similar in their play, play styles, um, but I mean, you, you kind of fall back on Price. He's been healthy. He's been playing good still. Um, you know, you got Cole, Cole Caulfield. He's been been at least in the Toronto series. I thought he was he was a, a great asset. Gallagher's healthy. Um, I think it's gonna be be Montreal. All right.
0: Tony,
4: Josh? Jets. I think that uh, as far as the Canadian teams
1: go, they don't... Like that... uh, The Jets just... I don't know. I don't want to call them a small market Canadian team because that's incredibly inaccurate. But I don't think players like Mark Scheifele and... uh, Who's that one guy? See, like he's not even off the top of my head. I can't even say his name, and he's like one of the one of the most lethal scorers in the in the league. I mean Blake Wheeler's incredible.
0: Uh Nikolai Ewers.
1: That's what it is. Like he's and, fil- he's filthy.
0: Yeah, and I mean Halibuck's Connor. Hunter. Oh, and yeah, Connor Halibuck
1: played in the NA. He played for the Odessa Jackalopes. And like it's it's cra- it's it's crazy. Like he, he came out of I I, I think Odessa was terrible for a very long time, but it's just like he, one of the re, one year they weren't, and it was probably because of him.
4: All right,
2: Josh, I'm going with Carey
4: Price.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the Jersey guy who who grew up watching the goalie ride through the playoffs, and I'll go with Carey Price. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, and then the final one, Josh, Vegas, Colorado.
2: Colorado. Uh, at, at some point, that, like you said, that talent is is it's unbelievable. So we'll see if they can do it against a good defense.
0: All right, Tony. Come on. They're
4: winning, <laughs> they're winning the cup,
1: man. Colorado, Colorado. They cannot. Nobody can touch him. If Nathan McKinnon's goal the other night was a statement that McDavid isn't the only fast skater in the league. And... (laughs) uh, In my opinion, Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the NHL by
4: a mile. And
1: I think that, you know... There's more there's more there's more to the game than scoring. But when you can do everything in the game, if they wanted to, they could be like, all right, McKinnon, you're playing uh you're playing left D tonight and uh McCarr, you're gonna play uh winger or you're gonna center. And they could. I mean Cam- Kale Cale McCarr is I th- I think he will be more hype than what Eric Carlson was, and if he can stay healthy, uh he will have a Hall of Fame career.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely really
1: Makar is.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's a monster. He
1: his his skating ability is on un- uh, him and Kaprizov. You know, they're two people who are newer to the NHL within Kaprizov this season and Makar either uh this might be his sophomore season right
0: yeah he won the calder last year i think
1: right you're right uh but he made his appearance the year prior in the playoffs that's why i was thinking that because i I remember watching him it was his first game when he uh because he just finished his college career yeah Um, like this and he scored in his first game in the playoffs And I thought that they were going to do it last year. And now this year, now that they added Devon Taves, who was one of the most underrated players as far as – I mean, he was on the Islanders, and he was an incredible defenseman. They got Ryan Graves, who had the best plus minus in the NHL last season. Like, they got all these weapons. And then on top of that, they added Brandon Saad, who's pretty awesome. They gave – or they got uh, Valeri Machuchkin, who Dallas very irresponsibly gave up on. Um, and it's just their, their whole entire team. Uh, Borkowski or whatever. I'm sorry. Oh, Borkowski? Borkowski, yeah. Like, he's incredible. He's a sniper. He just doesn't have a fun name to say, like McKinnon or McCarr.
0: that cadre could actually play an entire playoffs without getting suspended
1: see now now that'll be their downfall if 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 they can't keep his leash has to be so short right now in that locker room and in everything and he's had a very very nice career in colorado he turned it around he cleaned up his act but that was very disrespectful what he did and that was ignorant and he deserved every second of that suspension if not more
0: yeah well, Christian, what about you? Are you going to be the lone Vegas supporter here?
1: Uh, I'm not.
3: Uh, the only thing I will say is that uh, Vegas may have a little bit of an advantage now that Reeves is suspended for two games. So that will only help them. Mm. Uh, but I still think that uh, uh, Colorado is going to come come on top.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's. I would love to see a Tampa, Colorado, Stanley Cup. I I, I just think that Tampa plays that same kind of fast paced, but good, solid defense at the same time. And I'd love to see Hedman versus McCarr. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, I right. think
1: that, like that, but they're different, man. I, th- uh, Headman is 6 foot 6.
0: Oh, I know. Like, but I know. would say arguably I would say Hedman and Makar are the two best defensemen in the NHL.
1: Oh, I don't know if
0: that's I, I don't
4: know if I believe that.
0: Mm. Who's better?
4: Can I sit and think about
1: this question? <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I guess that's the thing. I
1: is it the you know do- It depends. Like, like there's so many players in the NHL, (laughs) man. Like, it's the best at what?
0: Well, that, but that's the thing. That's why I think McCarr and, and Hedman are the two best defensemen because they can do everything. You have fantastic stay at home defensemen, you have fantastic offensive defensemen. I mean, look at Quinn Hughes. That kid is, is a fantastic skating defenseman. And Nicholas Jomerson is one of the best stay-at-home defensemen I've ever watched play. But Hedman and McCarr can go in and do both. They can carry the puck up and lead the do rush. Remember, is
1: they... This is so irrelevant. But do, do you remember when Johansson, like once a game, he would be like, "I'm going to rush this one," and then he would walk like three people and then score. Like he yeah. would just and he had stone hands and he had stone skating. Like he looked like he skated through cement, but he would still. <laughs> Fans,
0: people. Uh, I feel like that's being Swedish.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where that came from. That it's it's because his first stick he made it. He he bought it. He purchased it from IKEA and then he built it in his living room and then he began playing hockey.
0: But he forgot a couple pieces, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
1: didn't come with the complete all, all the screws it needed. So it, he broke it and then his parents are like, "Wow, he's got a hard shot." <laughs> <laughs> No more sticks.
0: <laughs> well, Christian, as you can tell, we we talk about hockey, and there's not a lot that stops us. So we've made a segment that we call Three Periods With, since obviously there are three periods with, with us. Uh, we're going to ask you some questions, get to know you a little bit better, find out some stuff about Tony, and uh, just kind of see where the, the road takes us. You, are you prepared for this? I'm ready to go. <laughs> as much as possible. Uh, so Josh is going to lead us off, and then we'll, we'll just keep it going.
2: All right, man. Thanks for coming. I have a two-parter. Um, the first part is, and it's funny because Tony brought this up, I wanted you to characterize Tony's playing. So he basically said he's Brad Marchand. So I got I to gotta hear about this, and then I want to hear your opinion. And then I want to hear a few Tony stories because I got to hear the specific Tony stories from these games, too. So I'd love to hear both of those. The, the, the characterization and the couple stories about Tony on the ice.
3: Um. Well, I would would definitely kind of characterize him as as Marchand Um. He does kind of play. Uh. Well, at least in college, he kind of played a little bit more more like the rat um as we can affectionately call him um but uh i think he's he's he is maturing that role as he gets older and his his body is more beat up um but uh yeah he definitely will get in there get under people's skin and you know draw penalties or or make himself sit depending on the situation
0: all right i mean i can I can agree because Tony, I feel like you play that way all the time.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we do sideboards at practice. <laughs>
0: uh, any any specific stories you can tell us that are that stick out in your mind about our good friend Anthony?
3: Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily have like a specific one uh, in mind. I, I think that there there is just so many. Whether it's <laughs> Whether it is it, it's in a game or, or even practicing, um. Well, I uh, I guess I'll go I'll go with a practice story. Uh, we had a, we had a goalie who was who kind of cocky and uh, you know Cesaro doesn't really get along with with people like that, uh, especially if they can't necessarily like back up their their claims. And so uh, I was actually skating out for this practice. And he skated up to to me and my buddy, and he was like, watch this, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take a high shot and hit him in his collarbone. And he skated in, and sure enough, with his his very short stature, all his might wound up and took a beautiful slap shot, and it hit him right in the collarbone. And, you know, he, not sure, I mean, he didn't, like, the kid was, was feeling it for sure, but he was in, um... I mean it wasn't injured it wasn't overly aggressive it just you know it's Chesero trying to get under people's skin.
1: So I I remember this very clearly and, and I obviously I'm going to leave the kid's name out of this. Um but that that was when we were playing at Lewis and we were doing drills and this person's um whole mantra for the whole entire season was that he felt that he didn't need to try while he was in practice. And as you know, somebody who has the opportunity to get better by one working hard in practice and helping his teammates get better by playing competitively, I was upset. So I'm like Christian, I'm gonna hit this kid in his collarbone because now he's gonna every single time that I'm gonna come down now he's gonna have to be set. That, you know what I mean? So like, although it was in uh, somebody else's like painful, like uh, they had to pay the troll toll, I guess but it's just like try and practice and like, but that's kind of a, a very old school thought process that needs to, uh, go away. And, and it has, I mean, I, I'm not firing the blind pocket people because one that would be <laughs> <laughs> <It's scary. laughs> that, that could end one of us. <laughs> like...
0: So, uh, Christian, tell us a little bit about your hockey background. Um, you know, kind of where you've played and where the game has led you?
3: Um, well, I've been playing, like, hockey since it's been, like, three or four. Um, I just played, like, house league growing up and then, you know, played high school, uh, JV and varsity. Um, my sophomore year, I got, or no, my junior year, I got, I uh, had a bad concussion. Um, and at the end of the year, I decided to, to call it quits. Um, and as most of us know, or know people, it's, it's hard to leave the game for, for good. And so I wanted to get back into it. Um, you know, and, and you can't play with, can't play competitively with, with, uh, you know, a fear of getting injured or getting hurt. And so I, I knew that I wouldn't really be able to play at a high level, um, as a player. So I, uh, decided to get into my lifelong dream of playing goalie. Um, worked with a couple of coaches um over the course of two years and and played progressively better levels of men's league. Um, there was an opportunity to try out for the the club team at Lewis and um I tried out. Originally I was supposed to be, you know, the bench warmer and just get some ice time and I was okay with that, but the um the head goalie for that team decided to not go to school and so Uh, It was, you know, I I had the spot as the only goalie and, you know, had a a huge opportunity to to grow and develop over a short time um, at Lewis. And so, uh, played two years there and and now I'm just playing men's league.
4: Nice. and, And honestly,
1: you know, like coming down and shooting at you and playing with you and everything like that, you wouldn't have known that you, like, especially when I met you at Lewis, I didn't know that was your like second year, first seat, first like second season as a goaltender. Like, dude, you look great and like you took us to the championship, man. And yeah. like, you know, and like you're a really good goalie and positionally, like. Drew, like, you were there, you were out on the ice. Christian, you were there, you were out on the ice for this. Uh, For our viewers and everything like that, we wanted to do something that was going to be different. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to give somebody with, you know, uh, without a visual impairment, the the ability to come out and, and try what it's like to play blind hockey with a visual impairment. So as we all know, that the goalies are be ones who have no sight. We made Christian have no sight. Uh, we had a face mask for Corona, Corona face mask that was all black, and he, he put it around his eyes, so he put a shade over, and he went out and he had the experience to play goalie. And, and get the blind puck shot at him, as well as some regular ones as well. And in, in both cases, you were there and you were making the saves, and it was pretty incredible to watch.
4: Yeah, absolutely. All
0: right, yeah. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna pass it on over to to Tony for our second period. Unfortunately, we lost our our buddy Josh due to a fight. But uh, Tony, it's all you, man.
4: Well, let's. Uh, we didn't lose him.
1: <laughs> you know, you don't not, him.
0: I don't know where he is, so uh, technically.
1: No, out of sight, out of mind. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, should, that should be all of our catchphrases, right?
4: Out of sight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, But I don't know, Christian. It's just, it's been an absolute luxury getting to know you over the jeez what has it been six years now how long ago was that lewis university
3: yeah it's 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 going on got six seven
1: holy cow man that's kind of scary to think about
3: it is it, it time flies way too quickly
1: it it really does
4: and you know i i we just
1: talked about like your experience, like with you know, taking shots like with the blind hockey puck and that experience. Do you want to just like describe that whole experience? Yeah, like you well, can just hit the floor and I'll zip my lips. Yeah, <laughs> I have to fine. mute myself
3: and <laughs> just chime in when you want, but um, no, it was a really cool experience. You guys brought the puck first, um, and, and just the blind hockey hockey puck compared to the uh just a, a regular puck is um it, it's very interesting um, it kind of handles very similar to a regular puck obviously it's it's heavier and and larger um but it also it rattles and makes noise um it moves a little bit slower um but but it's very similar to um feel And so we got to handle that for a little bit without the blindfold. Um, And then, you know, we, uh, I asked if we could, you know, put the blindfold on and try it. And, you know, we started out with some low shots just from far away. Um, And it is a totally different experience because, you know, goaltending in essence is is a very visual position. Um, It's kind of hard to replace uh the ability to track a puck from you know shot to to save um and so uh, you know you lose all that when when you're blindfolded and and obviously uh, blind uh but the cool thing about the ho- the blind hockey puck is that it it makes noise um so you can kind of track it or at least I could um I'm sure everyone else is is miles ahead of me in, in that ability but you can you can kind of track it through space um and I had a hard time knowing when the shot was like released um but when it got closer you could hear it and um you know make the the minor adjustments to 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 make a save um obviously that was on the ice uh when we started to get you know to lifting the shots and and shooting them higher it was much much harder um, because, once again, you can only hear it. Um, so, you just kind of hear the position, um, but you can kind of hear it uh, in the air. It, it like, rattles, um, not as much as it is on the ice, um, but still, I I'm mean, it's just amazing at, at how, you know, people can make saves and, and be accurate in their positioning when, you know, the traditional goaltending is a... It's an extremely visual position,
4: right?
1: And and Christian, like you played very well, and it's crazy watching. Like I'll, I'll use Doug on Team USA for example, or Bill Lander, and I mean Drew. You've seen this so many times when he makes a glove save, like like it's like you don't you want to scratch your head, but you know that like he's. He's doing everything that Christian just described, as far as like his ability to track it. He knows when the release is is happening, you know. And it, it, it's it's so cool to think that people can do that, you know, with the echolocation. Or you take like Kevin Brown, for example, who's also a B one. Like his his ability to use echolocation out on the ice to know where the boards are, to know where the other players are, to 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 do anything. Like it, it's honestly, it, it's amazing. And and you know uh, so, something about you, Christian? That like you asked to do this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Of, like, and that that meant so much to me. That like you had asked to be a part of something that you knew was important to me. And it was just like, it's to say, like, how could I ask for for better friends or, or, or anything like that? So thank you so much, Christian. And I I know I always get ooey U- U- gooey but that's because i'm a, a a pisces and and whatnot but
3: no, i'm just glad that that you know i can share share that experience with you and and i mean it just for my own curiosity, i was extremely interested to to you know see how it works and and you know put myself in in the shoes of of you know a goalie um i like i said i mean it 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 amazes me at at how how unique um you know that position and that that experience is and and to it how you know how skilled these goalies are with with you know being able to to turn it into a, a competitive position
1: right in in and something that i'm gonna say, Christian is is I firmly believe if you can like if you were to after having that experience. I feel like if you could coach like somebody who is visually impaired like you would you would now kind of have a little bit better of an understanding than somebody who hasn't faced blind shots you know yeah and And
3: have that experience and it's like i mean not like it at all but you know like using a taser after getting tased type of thing like you have (laughs) you you have that experience you know what it's like you know how it it feels and and obviously i'm 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 not blind so i i don't fully understand but you know i i have a taste of it Mm -hmm. um you know can can at least see some of the difficulties
4: right that and i would also say that you uh how do I say
1: this? um you're very brave <laughs> for for doing that uh, I don't know if I would to be completely honest with you. I think I would be uh I would be gripping my stick pretty tightly if I did not know where the puck was coming from, and I knew somebody was shooting at me, especially like luke so i want I wanna talk to you about Mr. Luke Miller here for a second. What was it like getting a, like a hard shot? taken on you because I mean I, I can shoot the puck pretty decent. Drew shoots the puck pretty hard. Your one timers are incredible, Drew. Um but that kid every single one of his shots is hard. I mean you saw it with the regular puck and like the blind hockey puck.
3: Oh yeah he's a phenomenal shot. Um when I, I mean I wasn't really ready for it when when uh when he first came out uh he kinda he kinda made me a little nervous. But um <laughs> No, I mean, and it's also crazy, too, because, like, when you have, like, his shots are hard, they're crisp, they're clean, and so, like, with the blind hockey puck, they don't rattle as much, Um, and obviously, it's a much quicker shot, so you don't get to, you know, you don't get to hear it and and see where it's at, so um, it just, like, that, and and for that caliber of player to play against, you know, um, goalies is, is... it still amazes me that that like the skill levels there and, and that they are proficient in their craft. But um touching on like I, I was really nervous when he was shooting the puck. Um I was nervous to just start with the blind hockey puck. Um because it is it is heavier. Um and uh you know it wasn't too bad uh when we were doing going low and it, it wasn't too bad if I caught it in the blocker or the the glove but um it does hurt a little bit when you get hit in the arm or uh, chest not so much but he shot one and it caught me in the arm and it it, it definitely was a stinger for sure um but yeah it just his, his shots carry very well um and like I said I mean the, the I don't I don't really know what the actual weight difference is but to for him to be able to shoot with a puck that large and that well is 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 also just it's it's a fantastic feat
1: it's pretty nuts and and um i mean obviously i uh had the opportunity to play you know regular sighted hockey as well drew you've had the opportunity to play sighted hockey as well um luke aside from doing like drop-in and men's league or not even men's league, just drop in and rat and stuff like that. I remember he was telling me he was skating uh, on campus at uh, U of I, which is awesome, and I'm sure he was playing against really highly skilled players. I think he could have played on uh, uh, Lewis with us. Easy.
3: Oh, for sure. He's a very talented player. He can he can handle the puck very well. He can, he can move it quite well, and,
1: yeah, it... it
3: it's a he is a, he is a very good player
1: i i mean i uh, if he was taught you know um s- a little bit more of, of, of refinement on some of his things dude, he he could have played in on my junior hockey teams i mean with his with his size and his skating ability and his stick handling and the obviously the the heavy shot like he would have been he would have been very very difficult to play against and he isn't fine hockey i mean drew like he he motors and he's very good at protecting the puck i mean like it's i don't know it just it excites me so much to see this and the growth in luke and in like having like i i'm so excited like i think you would terrorize our d league over at uh, dundee Oh yeah, for sure, uh, without a doubt. I I, could, I think he might be the best player if he comes out of our team and Dundee.
3: D. It would definitely push us up to the next, the next bracket.
1: Yeah, we we get that advancement to C League. Yeah, <laughs> the coveted C League. The, the coveted C League, which I'm I I don't know if we if that's something that I don't know if that's a wise decision for our team yet. To, Not yet. Maybe like couple more sessions. Yeah. Uh, so I mean if, if that opportunity presents itself, we might need to throw the game, Christian.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'll let a couple goals in.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of my uh one of the things that I was just really impressed with like when we were when we were doing the game called Rebound, when you were blindfolded and your your ability to recover and, and make that second and third stop while what most people would consider to be a very vulnerable <laughs> position, you know? Yeah. Like, like you get a piece of it, you get your leg on it, you get your shaft to the stick on it. Like you get a chunk of the blocker. Like you, you do that whole like scorpion stuff, you know?
3: Yeah. I think with that too, like, so we, we talked about like how it was almost harder to, to get the shots from the point because you don't hear them right away until they get closer. or At least I didn't.
1: um, it it oh wait can you say that again because i think that's something that we could all utilize here it's like a learning lesson
3: yeah so okay so it's different like normally when you're warming up right Uh, yeah great a visual hockey um you know it's good to get shots from the point because you can see them you can like track them coming in but when i was playing it was almost harder to take shots from far away because you don't hear the release you know i mean you may hear a release but i mean the rinks are noisy um and you you don't really hear that rattle of the puck until it gets gets closer in um and if you're not uh, you know if your angles off from that far then you know it, it, you, you're leaving big holes so um from the point it was harder to to track coming in than it than it was from kind of closer in obviously when we're playing rebound and you're at, you know, the top of the circles or, you know, just above the hash marks, um, that shot comes in much quicker. Um, But to, to kind of develop off of that point is that having the shot come in and hearing it come in, feeling it come off your pads, and then, like, hearing it go out again was very helpful to, you know, kind of get into the general position that you needed to be for that first or second shot. Um, and I mean, to be honest, at that point, it's just, it's just kind of like my experience of, you know, if I'm at the top of the circles in the middle of the net, I kind of feel it go out to the right. I I didn't really know how far it went out, but I just kind of moved over that way. Um, but then when you're playing the rebound game and you're passing, like I can, you could hear the passes move side to side. Um, so it's kind of easy to, to guess movement, but, um obviously with with more skill and practice it it would be much easier to kind of pinpoint but i'm i'm glad it wasn't like a game scenario because it's only two or three passes and then a shot because it's it was very easy to lose um you know kind of a feel for where you were in the crease Ooh. that's why i had to keep centering myself um after every every quick break cuz otherwise you know I'd be looking
4: looking backwards. Wait, For sure. Not...
1: Well, I got one little last question and then one last statement. I guess. Do you That's think funny. we should like implement that drill into like our blind hockey practices with our goalie? Do you think that that would be like something that would be beneficial?
3: Um, I think it would. I mean, I guess like I, I haven't. I, I mean, first of all, I'd love to see a game, and and I look for for the opportunity to see some games go on and and um, you know in person. But I mean, depending on like the game scenario, you know, it it would definitely be helpful. But I mean, think I think just as like a general development, I don't know if it. Let me say I I don't know if it would be as beneficial to do like the full full-blown one where there's there's you know five or six people in front of the net i think that that can get a little bit difficult at first um but i think you know at least like three or four people um i, I think that it would be beneficial um even if you just you know if 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 the offensive players weren't shooting to win and more so a like a practice you know just mm. shoot it off their pads and make them, you know, go side to side and, you know, kind of follow the rebound. I think that it would be, I think that it definitely could be a beneficial um, drill to do. And then obviously as the skill develops or, you know, you get that practice or at least practice of, of the um, that drill, you could definitely add more people or make the shots more difficult. Um, but I, I think it gave, I, I think it gave me the best, you know, uh, range of of experience with the puck and and mm. you know, how it felt and and how it sounded and you know how it came off your pads and whatnot but i I think it definitely could be a, a useful drill
1: yeah no i I fully agree uh i you know as we were talking about it, I was thinking about um well you know they're kind of be hung out to dry in the beginning, but then I'm thinking about it, and like I see them make these crazy saves all the time, like I know that they could and then i was thinking about it could also be pretty beneficial for you know the the cited or the b2s and the in the b3s as, as well or because that would also work on tracking for them yeah you, you work on move
3: the puck quickly picking it up quickly i mean because i mean it, it's coming off of of the goalie and either an unknown or it could be a funky way and just for them to be able to pick it up and and make a pass. I mean, it's not a one-sided drill by any means. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, it's an all around drill for everyone. Obviously, like when you do have five or six players, you do kind of gang up on the goalie a little bit sometimes, but you know, that's where maybe it would be better to start with, with fewer players and just work on that. But Regardless, you know, you can, you can ramp it up or, or uh, I don't know if they dumb it restrict. down, but yeah, you can restrict the drill.
1: Based so, on... I think what we would do for then, it was, it uh Drew's because if it's in, if they stop it and it's in the crease, they blow it. Right. Yeah.
4: Okay. And then, um
1: so that would be the thing. And I, I don't know if you knew this, Kristen, but, like, one of the only rule differences in blind hockey from regular hockey is you have to complete one pass in the offensive zone. So I think that that, could, that would be good for practicing that.
3: Yeah, you could just make them pass it instead of having them shoot it right away. That or, like, you know, like, if it is, you make it stop and it's in the crease, then it's dead. So for, uh, like, sighted hockey, it's either you have to, like, physically freeze the puck or, like put it behind the net. Um, so I mean, you could, just, you could, you could have a, uh, you could have like an area of restriction. So like, uh, give them a foot like outside of the crease and, you know, just so that they're not picking the puck up right away, but, or just make it, you know, like a one pass or two pass restriction before you can shoot after the, after the initial rebound.
1: Oh yeah. And like add, add make sure that you add more passes so that they have the time to recover,
3: yeah.
1: Or, no. or I... no? No,
3: no, yeah, add a, add a, like add a pass. Cause like for the regular one, it they can shoot it right away. They can pass it up to two or three passes. Or you just make it like mandatory that they make at least one pass before they shoot it.
4: Unless it gets kicked way out, but. Yeah. All I... right. Yeah. Well, that's something that I. Th-
1: think we'll have to introduce to the team next season, Drew. So I'm going to pass the puck over to Drew now, unless your portion was talking about the Leafs losing.
0: It's always my portion because they do it every year. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm so sorry, man.
0: <laughs> it's okay. You you don't have to be sorry. I Look, man, I totally understand the teams that I root for. And I knew going into it that as much bravado as I had about the Leafs winning the Cup this year, the higher likelihood was them doing what they did.
4: Yeah, and it's just it's just so upsetting. Yeah. It's just disappointing.
0: Yeah, I'm and you know, at the end of the day, of- <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I'm definitely more of a Hawks fan than a Leafs fan. Like they're they're both two of my favorite teams, so it doesn't hurt quite as bad as when we got swept by Nashville, that that one playoff. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, that's true. At least Toronto was in the playoffs. That was an atrocity. That was...
1: <laughs> in, the middle, in the middle of this, Christian sent me a meme. He said, <laughs> I'm a joker, I'm a smoker. I'm a playoff choker. Oh, man. (laughs) That's right. I think you're going to make it my cover photo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Christian. Well, I I have some questions for you, um, mostly about about the position. Uh, I'm going to start this off with a caveat to all of our blind goalies that listen to our podcast and that I've never played goalie, sighted or blind. I have no interest in playing blind goalie because that puck is terrifying, uh, and I respect the hell out of all of them. Uh, you obviously included now that you've been brave enough to stand in front of it. Um, that being said, I I love hockey. Um, I I follow a couple of goaltenders uh, through social media and stuff like that. So. Um, I've been really interested in having someone's opinion like yours. Uh, Our goalies tend to have two positions, uh, standing up for a face-off and then immediately dropping down into the butterfly, Uh, mostly to, you know, make sure they're in position and and all that fun stuff. Um, But I feel like that, and not saying that our goalies are slow, but I do feel like you know being stuck in you know going to one position kind of makes it a little more predictable, um, and maybe slows them down a little bit in transitioning from post to post. So I was wondering, after you've played, do you think that it would be possible for a blind goalie to be a stand-up goalie that that plays like a normal a normal sighted goalie?
3: I, so it, that's a very good question, and, and I don't think that it's it's impossible. Um, I, I think that it would take some—I don't know necessarily relearning, but uh, I think definitely a a, um, a certain level of comfort. Like you know, it's okay. So as as a sighted goalie, you know, in, in the middle of a. Um, you know like let's say a power play or some situation like that sometimes it's easier or more comfortable to go down into like a butterfly and you know shuffle around because you you know that there's gonna be a and there could be a shot and it can get redirected and, and you're already down um but i don't think there's any from an ability standpoint i don't think that there's any issue with with staying up um i i think that it's it's uh, there's there's a, definitely a learning curve to um, being aware physically where you're at in the crease. But, you know, just like young goalies are taught and, you know, I always fall back to It's like checking your posts, you know, making sure that you're centered. Um, and, you know, there's essentially like three positions if you're in the back of the crease. You know, you're centered or the right post or the left post. And from there, it's just a matter of, you know, kind of putting yourself in a position based on where the shot is. I I think that you definitely, being a goalie without vision in, like, the, the situation that I was, you know, you would definitely need someone to point out, like, where you are. Make, like, an adjustment in a practice scenario. So, like, you know, make a, like... Starting from or shooting on the goalies from different positions, having them standing and being in, you know, correct angle. And then like dropping down as a shot comes in or, you know, standing up, whatnot. I mean, it definitely it definitely would take some some external input to say, oh, you know, you're like, we need to make sure that you're to the right or to the left or. I'll come out a little bit more but i don't think there's there's anything wrong or or that it's it's impossible to be able to stay standing up and move around in the crease it would definitely take some you know some practice and and understanding of you know when you back up into the post you know i need to recenter myself and then you know go out for a shot or you know go down depending on where they're comfortable but I, I would think that it would make it would probably make that position a lot faster than having to, to shuffle or push um side to side. And obviously there's a use for it just like in in typical hockey, there's there's a use there's a time and place to to use both positions. Um it's not it's not inclusive
0: to one or the other. Awesome. Yeah, I guess that's you know, again, not having never played goalie, um, my perspective is obviously from the shoot. And I I have enough central vision that I can usually see see my corners. Um, so I, I, you know, I've just been fascinated with the thought of having a, uh, for lack of a better word, an, an athletic goalie uh, in the crease, because I do feel like that's one of the, downfalls uh, shortcomings of blind hockey is that I do I do feel like the goalies get left out a little bit um, because it it, because of the things that you were saying you know losing your crease losing your goal they're all completely blind so it's not easy for them to you know look down and say oh I'm I'm not in the right place uh do you I and I don't know if maybe it's become second nature to you now that you've played goalie for so long. Um, I mean, do you think that you can get to a point where you just know, Oh, I'm on the right side of the crease. I need to shift. Or do you think that they would constantly need someone to be like, Oh, you're, you're a little off or, you know, just yelling the side that they happen to be on or, or what have you.
3: Um, well, in, 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 uh, like typical, like, fight uh, hockey. It's easy to see. I think I, I'm at the point where I could make the necessary adjustment. But like when I put the blindfold on, when I, you know, went about doing that, like I was checking between every shot to make sure I was where I thought I was, you know, or at least centering myself and then making an adjustment based on like what I heard or saw. Um, I, I do think that it could become autonomous, where they could make the adjustments once they learned like based on you know like okay so let's let's break it down right like if you start on the goal line in your net and you make sure you're centered right if obviously I'm not going to make that assumption but but I am thinking that as a goalie when you hear the puck move you can kind of pinpoint that it's it's over to the left it's you know either close or far away so you're gonna kind of position yourself more to the left or more to the right based on what you're hearing um so there is that positional element um so uh, you know i think that they you would have the um some level of positional sense um and at least that's what i could grasp when i did it um and the main thing was that i just didn't know where i was at first and so i would have to just kind of check but like i said if it would be i think it's pretty it would still be pretty intensive to start out and do that um and learn like that positioning um with the help of of you know like the shooter or or a coach um but i think that you know at some level you would be able to make that adjustment yourself i just think i mean i still rely on it though like just to make sure i'm centered uh you know just the, the tapping the post you know using tapping it with your glove with your stick just making sure you're, you're somewhat centered um but like i said I'm, i i think that it would make for a more athletic position um to do it like
0: that awesome yeah i you know we we say this a lot on our our podcast but blind hockey is definitely in the infancy of its being uh and so i think that there, you know by the time all is said and done the blind hockey that people play in 20 years is going to be drastically different from the blind hockey that we're playing right now uh with that in mind you know let's say you uh, let's say you came to the Blackhawks and you you worked with our goalie. How do you think that you translate sighted hockey goaltending ability, you know, plays, positioning to blind hockey? How, you know, let's say let's say you have a kid that is completely blind. He's just starting out at goalie. You know, what do you what do you think is the best way to coach him at that point?
3: I think it would be twofold. I mean, first and foremost, I would say, you know, like movement, right? Like just being able to move on the ice in the bulky equipment and and to move side to side or, you know, get up, get down, um, you know, those type of things starting out there making sure that, you know, that can be done efficiently and effectively and like we were talking about before like if if right now the the way that the game is played is is it's heavily reliant on them being down you know making sure that they can move side to side efficiently because if they can then they'll be an effective goalie in in the game as it's played now the second thing i would say is is definitely like positionally uh being positionally sound and that's how I, so this is how I started because I wasn't like I said I, I came into it and I was trying to develop quickly in order to be competitive at the level I was playing at you know be positionally sound so you know you don't have to be super reactive if you can be in a good position to make like a blocking save you know be in a position to you know even just stand there and and get hit with the puck Um, you know, if you can do that and be, have that angle down and have, you know, just cut down that lane, then, you know, that's, that's half the battle. And then the difference from, you know, sighted hockey and blind hockey would be on, on tracking the puck, you know, really good professional goaltenders like Carey Price work so hard on, on puck tracking and seeing the puck from you know, the shooter to your glove or to your blocker or into your chest. Well, you don't, you can't do that in, in blind hockey. Um, so that's when, you know, I would get into, you know, like what, what Ches was asking about with, with doing the drills so that you can track the puck by sound and feel versus, you know, sight. Um, because as a goalie, you can feel like, you know if i make a bad blocker save i can feel if it went one way or the other if you know when you make a leg save with your pads you can kind of feel if it you know if it just glances off and like goes to the side or if it gets kicked out you know you can feel that there there's definitely a feel component a touch component to to being a goalie um and you know you're just essentially replacing the sound with or the sight with sound with the blind hockey puck um and so I would I I think I would take like that tiered approach with the the movement first and then you know positioning. And then you know getting into excelling at that position by using your your uh, the senses available, um, at the moment. And not to beat on on what we were talking about before, but um, I think that part of it is so it by no means is it any easier than than regular goaltending and and uh, it, it is extremely difficult and and I give props to everyone who is a goalie um one because it's hard and two because it's scary the puck it, it does hurt it, it is a large puck but i think that you know trying to translate you know playing goalie with sight versus playing goalie um uh, without sight definitely is difficult there is a huge learning curve and um it, it is a different game but the as far as like what we were talking about playing like a positionally sound goalie um you know and being an athletic goalie there is an advantage is that the the puck is physically bigger than the regular puck i don't know what the size percent different is but i mean it, it from my remembrance it's If you were to hold it in your hand, it's essentially like the size of a goalie glove. And so, you know, that cuts down the need to be way out of your crease to cut down an angle. You know, it cuts down the need to be extremely accurate with your positioning. You know, so so half the battle is, is just getting into some general position to make that save, I think. Um you know, and obviously it's much different when it's coming through the air. But, you know, if we're just talking about like low shots and whatnot, you know, being able to just have a minute angle um, down is would I think would give a huge advantage. Um, but I think, like I said, first and foremost would be the positioning uh, or the the movement, then the positioning and then,
4: you know, tracking.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think I think that that's uh, kind of one of our, our our shortcomings again, and and it comes with being a, such a small um, arm of hockey, and you know, being still relatively unknown, uh, but finding you know people players that have previous experience or are currently playing that can um, translate that well to our game. Uh, so. My, kind of my last question for you, uh, how was your equipment? I mean, your equipment's meant to stop a vulcanized rubber puck. Um, You you definitely took some, you definitely took some good shots from Luke. Uh, Do you think that goalie equipment in blind hockey needs to be bulked out? Or do you think that what you're using would be sufficient moving forward?
3: Oh. That's a very good question as well. Um, I think that for the most well, and and so it's different. Like I have, like I have the, the like the pro level equipment. You know, it's I have for my glove. I have a practice glove because my coach. Well, the first year at Lewis, my coach broke my glove just because it was only one goalie and we'd have like it was an hour and a half of practice. But regardless, um, like I felt comfortable in my level of equipment. Um, cause I have the, like the, the, the top line goalie equipment. Um, I, I did feel protected. I, you know, wasn't so scared as that. The only th- difference I think, um, that like probably could be bulked up or different would be your, like the chest protectors, you know, the glove and blocker and leg pads, you know, those, you know to some degree it's you know you're wearing a a big pillow on your legs um you know you don't like you still feel it um just like you would a puck it just feels different um but the the like the chest protector there's not as much protection there because you're you know you're moving as a goalie you don't want to be overly restricted um but i think there is there's technology out there now like there's like the D thirty foam that there. You know we have other composites and stuff. You know, just it might be beneficial to have a, a something a little bit more tailored to that position. Um, but to some extent too. You know, I think that part of it or part of the position. You know, you don't have sight, so you need to feel the puck, you need to feel like where it's going, you know, if it dropped dead or if it bounced off, you know, so you don't want like to be overly protected where you can't feel it um, because you would lose another yet another sense. Um, But, uh, you know, you definitely do want protection so that you're not getting injured. Um, But from my experience, I think that everything besides like the the chest protector and specifically like the chest protector arms um, were were more than enough
0: alright yeah I, I feel like I've had some conversations with our goalies or it's like well do do we need to look into designing a new kind of helmet or you know does uh, do the pants need to be up padded, or things like that because um, it, it's a five inch piece of metal that's flying through the air uh, so I guess it, it's good to know that you know you, you felt it, but it wasn't you know, we didn't break anything, which is always a plus,
3: yeah. Well, and luckily, Ch- um, luckily, Tony um uh, instructed everyone to keep the shots kind of low, not to try to you know hit it off my head. But I, I do think that there would probably be a longevity issue with helmets, um, because like you said, I mean, a, a vulcanized rubber puck definitely impacts a lot differently than. Than a, a five-inch metal disc, um, so I, I think that you know, helmets might be something of of a topic of discussion for sure. Um, but but overall, it wasn't wasn't terrible from an equipment standpoint. That that definitely is it, it is a discussion point for sure, though.
0: Yeah, I uh, and okay, so this will be my last question. Uh... Do you think that you can teach? You, so, I, I mean, I've seen you didn't start as a goalie, but you, you played with plenty of them. I, I feel like goalies have styles. You know, there's butterfly stack pads, if they even do that anymore. Um, you know, there are goalies that are really good with their blocker or their glove. Um, wh- if you were to coach a blind goalie, like our, so in Chicago, we have Bill. Um, He's a baseball player, a beatball player, but he was a baseball player before that. And his glove is the best that I've seen. Um, He stops me and Tony in the air when he's there, you know, at least a couple times of practice. If you were to coach Bill, or or if you were to coach a player that was, you know, much better on their blocker side, do you try and lean into that, or do you try and balance them out? you know, Bills really good with his glove. Do you try and get him to use his blocker more so that he's a more balanced goalie or would you lean into him being having a great catching hand and, and just try and kind of augment that to to take him to the next level?
3: Um I would say definitely to balance that out because like you can't be overly reliant on one aspect. Okay, well, Especially in today's game, and you know, I'm sure that it it will be seen as as blind hockey develops and becomes more popular with with other player styles and and whatnot. Um, you know, you do I think that you would still want to be a fairly well-rounded goalie. There, like I said before, like there is a time and place for a save type. There is a time and place for you know to cheat on a side or not. Um, you know, but i I would try to to help them develop their their position as a whole instead of you know overly relying on one or the other, and like you said, if we're talking about Bill right, you know he's his experiences with baseball, you know he's good with his gloves, so let's maybe not work on that so much. let's work on the other, you know. Types of saves and and other stuff, and you know, mid game, if if something's not working, you know, he can pull a carry price and and cheat three feet over to the the right and give everyone his glove. You know, it's always something to fall back on. You know, or you could be like a a flurry and and you know, kind of do like a little windmill uh on a two on one. There's always it'll always be something to fall back on, but to be reliant on that a majority of the time, I think. If not now, in the future as the game develops, it would be a hindrance.
0: Gotcha. No, i That's. I don't know why you got to bring Carey Price into this. And, I'm sorry, I didn't mean no. to do that. But
3: <laughs> I mean, 12 shots to one, and, and all of them were glove saves. But he's just—he's good at. You know, there's like I said, there's a ton of goalies are good at doing one save type, you know, like, and a ton of goalies are good at doing or not good at doing other things, you know, but overall, like if you have a well-rounded player in that position, then, you know, it, I think that it, it does a lot more for them in the long run than, you know, the, the short-term gains.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Usually at the end of our show, we ask our guests what their favorite memory of blind hockey is. Um, obviously, you have one memory of blind hockey, so I'm not going to ask you that. Uh, I am going to ask you what, what what's your favorite hockey memory, uh, and or maybe to make it more specific, what what was it that made you realize that this was your game? Um. To well, uh, that it's a. <laughs>
3: good question. I'm going to go with the, you know, what made me realize that this was my game. Um, it really was like when I stopped playing and, and I I mean, for those who listen or, you know, I think that Tony has kind of gone through this a little bit. It's, we all end up essentially in the same position as we get older. It's, you know, if you play competitively, you know, you can't play competitively forever, you know, so ge- the general statement is that we all ends up in men's league at some point. Um, but, you know, to, to step away, I always loved hockey. I couldn't see myself ever quitting um, and to quit in order to, to try to develop, to better myself off the ice. Um, it was really hard to step away from that. And, it, I mean, it got to the point where I just couldn't anymore, and that's why I picked up goalie. Um, so I, I think in those those four years of, of me not, you know, longing to play again in some capacity, um, you know, it it just really helped solidify, you know, that this is my game. You know, I, I want to be involved for as long as I can, um, whether it's just men's league or, you know, Coaching, coaching in the future, you know, or just doing my new things or even just playing like NHL on on the Xbox. You know, it's it's it is my game. It always have a have a spot in my my heart. And like I said, you know, I'd like to play as as long as I can and in any capacity that I can.
1: Christian, what you just described is like something that was very real for me. And, like, I, I thought – and, Drew, I know it is for you. I know it's been for so many people. I thought it was done. I Like, I thought it was just – for me, I thought it was just men's league, you know. And, and it's not just – and it's not that not just playing men's league isn't satisfying because it is. Dude, every Friday going out there with you guys is an absolute joy. It's incredible. Um. But I I walked away from college hockey so that I can focus on my education because it felt like the more educated decision because one, one of them was going to get me a lot further than the other. Um, but once, you, once you've been affected by this game and the way that it affected you and Cam and, you know, it's affected you, Drew, and everybody else that we know, like, you crave it. But the competitive nature is, is like you want it so bad. And that's what's so great about hockey is it's, it's so competitive. And I needed that badly. And you know Pat Mullaly on our men's league team, right? Yep. Just one day, it was just like, dude, you got to try blind hockey. And it was one of the greatest decisions I've ever made and it was one of the things that I'm most thankful for for somebody saying hey go do this you know go give it a try
4: yeah 100% I mean like I
3: I, well like you guys were saying like it's it's still in its infancy but you know just to have a group of advocates like you guys and, and you know how much it's developed and how much it hopefully will continue to develop is is huge um, but it just it starts with a couple of people and and you know and you just got to find the right right group
4: but i mean that's that's a huge huge opportunity for those people
0: yeah absolutely and i <clears throat> you know like tony is saying i think that most of us have had that same kind of situation where you know we had to step away from the game and and thought we would never get it back and luckily for us you know it it's not just mens league there is a, an aspiration to play for the national team and play you know truly competitive hockey again um that being said you know even even if this was just blind mens league like that the game the game is more than a game, but it's still a game. If that makes sense. Um,
3: yeah, it's empowering. It gives you an opportunity. It's it's you know you get a release. You get, you know, you get to. If you have done this before, you get to do something that you love to do in the past. Um, and if you haven't, it gives you you know even like Ches can attest to all like the the guys on our team who haven't played competitive hockey, you know, it gives them a sense of purpose within our group. It gives them an opportunity to excel and develop, you know, it essentially it's their level. It's their competitive level, you know, but just to have that structure and a team, you know, is, is huge. It's, it's very empowering and it's, it's very, um, you know, it, it's good to be out there it's it's good to do something that you know you want to do and and,
0: and enjoy doing absolutely well christian uh, i want to thank you for coming on um do you do you do the social media is there can our our listeners find you somewhere
3: and, Um. and and
0: to, to clarify if you don't want our listeners to find you that is okay too <laughs>
3: No, that's fine. I'm I'm on Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. I don't really use Instagram anymore, but but yeah, I'm on Facebook. People can reach out and ask questions if they if they want
0: to. I'd be happy to
3: to send them a message back.
0: Awesome. Well, uh for Tony, Josh and myself, again, I just want to say thank you for for coming out and talking and shop with us and uh you know, I'm I'm hopeful to get to play with you guys again sometime soon.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed sharing my experience and talking with you guys. And, and likewise, I'd I'd love to be able to, to get out and play with you as well.
0: And that's going to do it for this episode of The Dented Puck. We post new content every Thursday on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at The Dented Puck and on Facebook at The Dented Puck Podcast. Send us your questions and correspondence to Podcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next one.